Cloudy skies, mid to upper 40s out the door. Look for afternoon sunshine with highs near 61. I'm Mark Prell. Good morning from the KRCB Sonoma County Newsroom. Here's your first news from Monday, February 26th, 2024. Student workers with the California State University system say they plan to bargain for higher wages and more paid leave now that their union has been ratified. Results of the election were announced Friday. The group is now the largest undergraduate worker union in the nation. CAP Radio's Kate Wolf reports. A group of student assistants gathered in a room on Sac State's campus to watch the reading of the election results. 97% of respondents from across the Cal State system voted yes. Sophomore Michael Lee Chang has two student assistant jobs. He mans the office at the political science department and works on projects for campus inclusivity. Right now, I don't have any paid leave. I can get sick, and that's hours that I won't be able to work. That's a possible meal I won't be able to eat. Lee Chang says he was inspired by the California Faculty Association, which represents CSU faculty at 23 campuses across the state. That group went on strike earlier this year and last week accepted a tentative contract that increased salaries and parental leave. I think that was my first insight into how successful unions are and how impactful their work is to the workers. In an emailed statement, CSU's vice chancellor for human resources said the university system respects the decision to unionize and looks forward to bargaining in good faith. In Sacramento, I'm Kate Wolf. Sebastopol, at its latest city council meeting, tabled a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Commentary happened anyway. KRCB's Mark Albert tells us while the symbolic measure wasn't approved, it's kept the ongoing war front and center in the minds of many. After hearing from nearly a dozen members of the public, Sebastopol Mayor Diana Rich suggested concerns of uncivil behavior may have been overblown. This experience has given me a real renewed understanding and appreciation for the ability of human beings in our town to share their thoughts and their hearts, to speak their truth in a genuine and unrestrained way. Earlier, Elena Lev, who describes herself as proudly Jewish, rejected concerns the resolution would cause anti-Jewish reprisals. Long-term peace cannot be effectively negotiated while bombs are dropping from either side. There has been a lot of fear around potential for a ceasefire resolution, particularly from Jewish residents and constituents. And I understand this, and I feel empathy for those feeling fear. But this resolution, in its current form, does not endanger or promote violence toward anybody, internationally or locally. About 24 hours later, a dozen people gathered for a weekly silent vigil at Sebastopol's Peace Wall. One participant, Sammy Nasser, says being with others provides him some solace. I'm originally Palestinian. I was born there, and so this whole thing does concern me. It's scary, and, and it's horrible what's going on. I'm not sure what this does to change that, but it was like to do something. Nasser says a resolution makes a statement at the very least. I'm in favor of it. I mean, so many places have done that. Countries have done that. The United Nations has done that, and it was just just uh, vetoed by the U.S. So I don't know if really the Israeli government is listening. I think the Israeli government is run by psychopaths at the moment. The council is set to meet again Tuesday, but the topic to be discussed behind closed doors involves a lawsuit against the city by Sonoma County Acts of Kindness. Mark Albert, KRCB, Sonoma County News. Thank you, Mark. 
The city from scratch that tech billionaires want to build in Solano County is getting the hard sell, with the backers promising new housing, better jobs, and more. Promises that will cost in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. Plus a pledge that county taxpayers outside the new community won't have to pay for any of it. The backers call these pledges, contained in a proposed countywide ballot initiative, guarantees. They say they'll be legally bound to honor them, but skeptical legal experts and local officials dispute the idea that the project's developers will be obligated by law to deliver on the so-called guarantees. The Silicon Valley tech billionaires aim to put a nearly 100-page ballot initiative before county voters in November. The group has formed a company called California Forever, whose subsidiary, Flannery Associates, has spent $900 million to buy 62,000 acres of farmland in the area since 2017. You're listening to Sonoma County First News. Santa Rosa has 10 separate school districts. Could the city finally bring them all under one roof? KRCB's Noah Abrams has more on unifying Santa Rosa's school districts. There's no mergers scheduled yet, but at a recent special meeting, Santa Rosa City Schools board members heard more about the prospects of unifying the city's 10 districts into one, an idea that's been batted about for over a decade. 59 public schools make up the complicated constellation across the 10 districts which dot the city of 175,000. 24 of those schools make up the two city districts, a high school and an elementary district. The rest are grouped into smaller elementary and middle school-only districts. Santa Rosa School Board member Ed Sheffield says the goal for district unification is to benefit Santa Rosa students. This school district asked for this study not because we want to take over or absorb the other districts. It's that we're the largest and these schools feed into ours and it's about preparing our students at all levels to when they ultimately come to us in middle or high school. And we could do that a lot better if we had more dollars to spread around. The big question is cost. Christy White is the CPA who studied the hypothetical unification. She says the projections show a drop in revenue to the tune of $21 million. But the study also found by comparing a district of a similar size to a Santa Rosa Unified that there is an opportunity to save approximately $45 million through reduction of administrative costs State law requires nine different criteria be met for school district unification. This includes the preservation of community identity, no significant disruption to education programs or segregation of student bodies, and no major cost to the state. White says her analysis shows a single Santa Rosa district would satisfy all nine criteria. But according to White, a new unified district will need to properly balance the money saved thanks to reduced admin costs and lost revenue from state funding. Board member Ever Flores acknowledges the concern with change, especially for the many administrative staff at the different districts, but he says Santa Rosa's students are why he's interested in unification. And if it happens... We will no longer be trustees of this board. We will create a new school board of education. Citizens will vote for the new board of education. So this is not securing, you know, a, a place of, you know, power. This comes out of a place of making sure our funding goes to our students. With the exception of the Roseland School District, enrollment across the city has been falling in recent years. Some small districts are losing nearly 20% of their student body, and the enrollment projections through the end of the decade show a steady decline. While the feasibility study shows unification of the 10 districts is possible, any actual consolidation remains a way off. 
The Santa Rosa City Schools Board hasn't taken any definitive steps yet, and no other school district in the city actively participated in the study. That stoked concern that Santa Rosa's eight-feeder elementary districts could exercise their right to refuse consolidation. Noah Abrams, KRCB, Sonoma County News. Thank you, Noah. Now this. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. In Northern California, before European settlement, it's been said that clouds of birds would block out the sun and one could cross a river by walking across the backs of fish. According to local historic accounts, the Laguna de Santa Rosa was once such a place. It's a 22-mile-long network of wetlands that drains the Santa Rosa Plain. Well, now, restoration work is underway. Again, here's KRCB's Mark Albert with more. Once a thriving wetland, history hasn't been kind to the Laguna de Santa Rosa. Historic dumping of untreated sewage, industrial and agricultural waste, and cities growing around it have all taken a toll. State health officials still recommend limitations on eating certain fish caught there due to mercury and PCB contamination. But things are turning around. It's about restoring habitat. It is also reconnecting parts of the current Laguna de Santa Rosa stream channel with its floodplain through the creation of freshwater marsh, wet meadow. That's Neil Lassiter with Sonoma Water. A new presentation by the San Francisco Estuary Institute, Laguna de Santa Rosa Foundation, and Sonoma Water lays out a future more like the past. With more plants, more toxins would be absorbed and silt settled out. Less sediment would reach the Russian River, while more water would recharge the aquifer under the laguna. It does have to do with flooding. The laguna naturally is the flood reservoir, but then also restoring the vegetation, the wetland vegetation that would assimilate some of the nutrients that may come in some of the uh, storm runoffs. It's about flood control, but it's also about water quality and, you know, quality of habitat. There are limits, though. Nearly the entire area is privately owned, so landowners must agree. County Ag and Open Space has been arranging easements. A sort of checkerboard of restored areas is planned along the lazy waterway from Rohnert Park to Forestville. There'd be free migration, free movement, a corridor basically, from one restored habitat to the next. The six areas that we identified represent a pretty big chunk of the 100-year floodplain of the Laguna today. As to when you can see these wetlands up close, you may want to hold off on buying waders. That's not part of the plan. There may be public access. The Laguna is largely privately owned, so if we're relying on private landowners, it's really up to their discretion. Mark Albert, KRCB, Sonoma County News. Thank you, Mark. During now to weather, cloudy skies give way to generally sunny conditions with highs near 61 today. Tonight turns mostly clear with lows around 36. We'll have a frost advisory 2 a.m. to 9 a.m. Tomorrow will be sunny. Look for highs near 62. Wednesday, still sunny. Highs near 63. On Thursday, we're going to get wet along with some breezy conditions. Highs near 56. Showers continue into the weekend with highs in the 50s. And those overnight lows moving from the 30s to the 40s by the weekend. For today, expect partial clearing at the coast. West-northwest winds will be 10 to 20 miles per hour at the beaches. 
Bodega Bay reaching 58 later. Windsor, Sebastopol, and Forestville reaching 62. Hillsburg, Grayton, and Sonoma will share 61 for a high. Petaluma, 60. Guerneville and Cloverdale reach 59 and 61 on the way for Santa Rosa. Well, thanks for starting your day with us. We are your local member-supported public radio newsroom. You can become a member at krcb.org. And that's where you'll find more local reporting, plus any updates to the stories you just heard. And join us for Morning Edition and All Things Considered for more North Bay News coverage weekday mornings and afternoons on KRCB 104.9. From Sonoma County's NPR station, I'm Mark Prell. Stay safe out there and have yourself a good day.